You've heard from Hunter Rackley this morning. He's our deacon for our mission team. And we were talking and praying together about organizing this very special mission emphasis Friday. And we're talking about, are we going to have time for a sermon? Because it's already 1130. And we thought, well, it, there's just no way. There's no way that we can gather as a people of God and not hear from him and not look at his word and have his spirit speak to us and grip us with the truth of who he is. And so, yes, we will always have the word whenever we're gathering. It won't be as long as it is on most Fridays, but I am privileged to be able to share the word with you from Matthew 28. If you have your Bibles, please turn there. On Miss Emphasis Friday, after having heard from our four mission partners, it's only fitting that we now meditate on what is commonly known as the Great Commission from Matthew 28. We'll be reading verses 16 through 20. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Praise God. When you read this last paragraph in the Gospel of Matthew, if you've been reading the book from beginning to end and you've you've seen all of what's revealed in this book, there's a very clear picture of who Jesus is. And so this last paragraph cannot be taken out of the context of the entire book because Matthew chapter 1 begins with the genealogy that reveals that Jesus is the son of David. So he is the true king that was promised centuries earlier. It says that he is the son of Abraham. And so he is the fulfillment of all of God's promises. And all of the hopes for the people of God are all fulfilled in Jesus and of Abraham. It says that he is Emmanuel, that Jesus himself is God with us. God in the flesh. And that's just chapter 1. Describing who Jesus is. And you keep reading in Matthew. And you see him healing the sick. Casting out demons. Proclaiming the word with authority. Calling people to repent. He resurrects the dead. He dies for sinful humanity. He is resurrected powerfully. And so when you read these last few words in Matthew, do not lose the context of who is speaking. This is Jesus. He is not just a good man. He is not just a good teacher. He is God himself in the flesh, and he is worthy of our adoration. We were made to know Jesus and to enjoy him forever which is why you see men and women here bowing down at the feet of Jesus and worshiping him. We just saw in verse 17, and when they saw him, this is the resurrected Jesus, they worshiped him. 
because he alone is worthy of our worship. He is our God. Jesus then reminds those followers that are there that are bowing down, adoring, and worshiping him. He reminds them of who he is, and he says, I have, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth. All authority. And so he is revealing that he is God, that he is the supreme king above all other authorities. It really makes me laugh. I I don't fully understand this, but I have so many people that are not even American that ask me if if I am going to vote for Trump or Hillary. And they're so concerned over if there's going to be a Clinton or a Trump in the American White House. I don't care. And why do you care? If you're never an American, don't worry about American politics. It'll just depress you. I belong to the kingdom of Jesus. I am a citizen of heaven, and that is my identity. That is my ultimate nationality, and that's all that really matters. He is our king. And he's saying in here, all authority on heaven and on earth is mine. And so when we bow down gladly, joyfully, when we bow down before the majesty of King Jesus, this leads to joy. It's what you're made for. It's why there is breath in your lungs. You were designed by your creator to find hope and meaning, and identity, and comfort, and joy, and everything that matters is supposed to be wrapped up in Jesus. But sadly, there are many people who don't know this. They don't know him. It says in verse 17, it says many, they were worshiping Jesus, but it says, but some doubted There were some who did not recognize his kingship, did not recognize his authority, his glory, and did not adore him, were not worshiping him. They doubted. They were blind. They could not see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. They're lost. Lost in their sin and their idols, and they are not forgiven by God and are on the path to destruction, which is an eternity without the love of God, separated from him forever. But this passage also reveals that God has a plan. And that Jesus has a plan to bring these people that are doubting, that are far from God, to bring them near to him by using the people that he has already brought near to him. He uses you and me. God's plan to redeem the world are the people that you see sitting in this room. Along with many other gatherings this morning and around the globe, he uses disciples to go and make more disciples Jesus is the head of a new humanity of people that have been made new, who have his spirit, and then reflect the glory of the king, and he uses us to proclaim this good news. And he's given us 
a mission. So if you are a believer, you are a missionary. This is who you are. And you have a mission to accomplish for the glory of our God. We're going to look at three brief, because I know our time is brief, three brief questions about this soul-satisfying mission that we just read about in Matthew 28. Here's the first question is we need to make sure we understand. Number one, first question, what exactly is the mission? This is the question. What exactly is the mission? Because there are churches that get confused and do a lot of good things, but they forget the main idea and they have missed the whole point of why the church even exists. What is our mission? Jesus, our master, our king, we are his followers. We belong to him. He has given you and me specific instructions. And there's only one command in this whole sentence, Matthew 28, 16 through 20. There's one command. The instructions are make disciples. That is the mission. The mission is make disciples for Jesus. It's that simple. That's the only command. Make disciples. A disciple, by definition, what is a disciple? Disciple is a lifelong, committed learner and follower of Jesus. Not a casual Christian, not a cultural Christian, no. A disciple is a lifelong, committed learner and follower of Jesus. So fundamentally, the word disciple means follower. What it describes is a believer in Jesus, someone who has come to the end of himself or herself, realizes that they are a sinner, that they have no hope, and they repent of that sin, and they trust with all of their soul. They trust in Jesus alone to save him or her. We make disciples. That is what the church does. Period. We lead people to know Jesus, and then to live lives of worship that reflect his truly glorious character. That's what a church does. That's what ECC Off Island does. And so everything that we do has that purpose. It works towards that end. Everything on a Friday morning Yes, even the announcements is part of making disciples. It's the application of how you can be a part of it. Home groups, discipleship groups, even when we sing, everything on the worship gathering is meant to be fuel for the mission. Everything, with zero exceptions. And if you ever see us as a church doing anything that does not further this mission, then we need to get some coffee. And you need to get in my grill and say, Pastor, what's going on? We're distracted. We're not accomplishing the mission anymore. And then hopefully I would say, no, you're right. Let's, let's put on ashes and sackcloth and let's repent before God because we cannot lose our focus. It is about making disciples for the glory of our king. Nothing else matters. Second question, how do we accomplish it? So, okay, so we know the, the mission is to make disciples for the glory of Jesus. So how do we accomplish the mission? We see here in verses 18 through 20, this is Jesus' grace agenda. That's what he's about. We accomplish the mission with the gospel. 
That's how. We accomplish it. See you on the slide here. Flip in a second. We accomplish the mission with the gospel. That is how we accomplish it. You see, the gospel is the good news message that God is saving people through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus to display his own glory. That's what it is. It's the message. The word gospel means good news. It's the good news that there is forgiveness, that Jesus came, died for us, has been resurrected, and now those that trust in him have forgiveness and his spirit and joy. So we make new disciples with the gospel. We proclaim the gospel. But then we mature existing disciples the same way with the gospel. So the same gospel that saves is the same gospel that sanctifies. The same gospel that regenerates the dead sinner to the power of the Spirit is the same gospel that then grows, sanctifies, develops, changes, transforms existing believers through the power of the Spirit. And so the Great Commission begins with Jesus. It's about Him, His resurrection, His authority. He calls us to do it. And then it ends with Jesus promising to be with us and accomplishing it through His Spirit in us. It is all about Him. And so what is great about the Great Commission is that it's all about Jesus. That's what makes this so great. This this really, I think, should be called the Gospel Commission more so than the Great Commission because everything in here is about the Gospel. It's all about using this beautiful, precious message to accomplish the purposes of God. And Jesus gives us three words in this sentence that describes how, how we accomplish this Gospel mission. He says, by going baptizing, and teaching. Now, you're saying, no, pastor, it says go. Well, yes, in the English, it's translated go. But if you look in the original, it says going. And so as you are going and baptizing and follow the Son and the Holy Spirit and then teaching them to obey. So you have going, baptizing, and teaching. These are the three key words that Jesus is revealing that he's telling us how we accomplish the mission of making disciples. And so going is gospel influence here on your slide. It's coming up here in a second. And so going is gospel influence. As a believer, we're to be on mission. We're to be intentional with this good news to serve the church and serve the world, to make and develop disciples. There are people who don't know him. What you see here is a call for all nations. Make disciples of all nations, of all people under the sun. And I love Abu Dhabi because God has brought all nations here. They're right here, right where we live, where we work. And so we can accomplish this. We can have gospel influence. Whatever you can do intentionally Spending time with a lost friend, a coworker, going back to our tables today after the conclusion of the service and seeing how you can be engaged with our missions partners. This is about gospel influence. As you are going, we must tell people. But you also have baptizing. That is gospel community. 
See, baptism is being baptized into this ultimate community of heaven, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So if you're a believer, you're baptized into that community. You are one with God, and he is one with you, but you are not only part of this triune community, you are also part of the, the community of faith, the people that are baptized in Christ. You're not baptized into this family, and so you belong to the community of God. And so when he says baptizing, it's not just dunk them in the water. That symbolizes something. It shows that you belong to Jesus and to his people. And so we need gospel community. This is how we make and develop disciples. We can't do it alone, which is why we have a church with home groups, discipleship groups, so that you can have the accountability, the encouragement that you need to mature as a disciple. Like we heard Nissen earlier talking about how he has people that he has seen that they experience this belonging before they believe in Jesus. It's remarkable. God's at work through gospel community. But then there's also teaching, which is gospel growth. And so going, baptizing, teaching, we have gospel influence, gospel growth, but then we have a gospel community and the gospel growth. And so as disciples, we grow, we become more like Christ. And so the goal is not to get converts for Jesus. It's not to just get decisions for Jesus. That's not the goal. The goal is to make disciples. People that are reflecting the glory of God. You see, when you have a person who is lost and far from God, that person is not glorifying God. But when you have a believer who is really messed up and really struggling, that believer is equally not glorifying God. And so what is a solution for that lost person? What do they need? The gospel. What is the solution for that believer who's really struggling? The gospel. The exact same remedy for both. And so we don't emphasize evangelism or emphasize discipleship. We do both because the gospel is the means to accomplish both. So we are to be a truly gospel-centered, Jesus-centered people who are focused on gospel influence and gospel community and gospel growth. Are you engaged? Are you engaged? Do you have these elements of the gospel being lived out in your life with growth, community, and influence? You see, the gospel reveals our great guilt. I mean, it does. It shows us that we're guilty before God. But the beauty of this message is the gospel also reveals God's great mercy, his great love for you. And the cross proves that God loves you. He treasures you. And so the same way that you first came to Jesus when you repented of your sins and and trusted in him, that sets the pattern for every single day of your life of a fresh repentance and trusting in Jesus all over again. We run back to the cross 
not to be saved again, because you were saved at that moment, but to run back to keep growing, to keep being sanctified. We are desperate for Jesus. We're desperate for his presence. We have to depend on him. And remembering this glorious gospel is the fuel for your furnace of worship. If you want to burn hot for Jesus, you need to add more logs. And the logs are the gospel. Remembering his great glory and your great guilt, that leads to more transformation. And your heart's going to be on mission, I promise. How do we accomplish this mission? By living in our lives in light of the gospel. As we close, last question. But what if I fail? What if I blow it? What if I fail to accomplish the mission? See, days like today, for some of you, are really exciting. You can't wait for me to be done talking. So you can go to the back and talk to the missions partners and gather prayer cards. And you just, you can't wait. And others of you wish you had stayed home today. Oh, I know. Some of you are thinking, oh, I missed the memo. Today's mission emphasis Friday. If I would have just stayed home because I feel so guilty. Every time I hear missionaries talking or go share the gospel or go make disciples, I think, man, I'm a loser. I can't do that. I, I can't do what, what Nissen and, and Moses and Elriza and Kashif do. I, I, don't, I don't measure up. I feel like you're not doing enough and you feel guilty. And others of you, you see the need and your heart is just exploding because you so want to be a part of it. But part of you feels like it's so heavy and you feel crushed by, by the weight of all the need. And, and you saw the pictures in India and, and you see the poverty and, and you think, oh, it's so heavy. How are you going to ever really make a difference? What if we fail? That's kind of a trick question, because here's the answer. We can't fail. We can't fail. Jesus is sovereign. He doesn't fail. Jesus knows what he's doing, and he's working. He is accomplishing his mission through his spirit in us. And I can tell you that Jesus never fails. The mission is secure. And it's secured because of our sovereign God, Jesus. You see, Jesus is not measuring your performance. Hear me. He's not measuring how you perform. All Jesus asks is that you trust him. That's it. He says, will you entrust your soul to me? Will you entrust your future to me? Will you entrust the next five minutes sometimes to me? The beauty of the gospel is that it frees us from having to work hard to earn his love. He already treasures you. He already accepts you. He already approves of you. Jesus already paid for you. You simply have to focus your life on him, on living a life, focus on Jesus. What does it look like? Well, gospel growth. 
reading the Word, meditating on it, experiencing His presence. What does it look like? Gospel community, having believers that you do life with intentionally, and gospel influence, where you have this heart to have others know Him because of the joy that's available. If you will do this, if you will focus on Jesus through his gospel, I can assure you that you will be on mission and that you will bear good fruit. You will. It's guaranteed. It's assured. I love how Jesus closes. He says, I am with you always to the end of the age. So comforting. We have his presence. The gospel continually draws us into the presence of God. It draws us closer to Jesus. And that's what life is about, knowing him, enjoying him, and making him known. Due to Jesus and his work on the cross, we have hope in failure. He loves us and he draws us near even in our wanderings in our doubts, in our struggles, in our really tough days or maybe even tough seasons. He will never give up on you and you cannot fail. You enjoy him and the Spirit will lead you to accomplish the mission right where you live. I assure you, a healthy soul that is focused on Jesus, that beats fast for him, is a soul that will be on mission. It's just the overflow. So how do you respond as we wrap up? How do you respond to this gospel commission? Well, one, go visit our tables. Go talk to missions partners. Grab a prayer card for all four of them and pray for them. That is a wonderful start. Pray. Maybe God will want you to partner with one of these four missions partners and, and invest your time in the kingdom in that capacity. Join discipleship group. That's another thing. You can just do life with two or three other believers where you're being really encouraged and you're really growing. Make a day to have coffee with a lost friend or coworker. Just get to know them and just build that friendship and ask God open doors to share the love of God with them. We're not saying move to India. Maybe you can go on a trip to India, but just follow Jesus, enjoy him, and his spirit will lead you, and you will find ways to fulfill this calling of making and developing disciples. This faith family exists to glorify God by making and developing disciples, and it's an honor to know Jesus, to make him known with you. Will you pray with me? Lord, we praise you, we thank you, for you are good, and you have saved us, redeemed us. We belong to you, and you have given us this mission to accomplish. I pray that you would help us to be truly intentional, live lives, focus on your gospel, which draws us near to your heart. Thank you for our time together as we just truly make us a missional people. And we pray it for your glory, for your sake, in the name of our love, Jesus.